right, pretend that the last couple of minutes hasn't happened, and uh, <laughs> we're welcome once again to the Legion of Reason Diversion coming to you from Alberta, Canada, and we have a special edition of the Regressive Left Files joining uh, uh, Christine uh, and Hello. me tonight is Dr. Colin Wright, uh, Eberly Research Fellow at uh, Penn State University, which sounds like a prison actually, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. We're going to be talking uh, a little, well, we'll start talking about some of your research interests, and then we'll go mm -hmm. on to the topic du jour, which is uh, the problem of trans uh, women in sport, and, and even good. stickier wicket, which is uh, Castor <laughs> Semenya, which is, uh, that's... I don't know. There's no good solution there, but uh, at least I don't think so. Maybe, maybe our guest yeah. has another idea on that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, welcome, Colin. And uh, thank you. Yeah, so you study the uh, behavior of social insects and spiders. There are social spiders. That is correct. There are. There's not many of them. There's only about maybe between 25 and 30 species of social spider. So normally they're just kind of you think of spiders as the solitary, either in their webs or some sit and wait thing like a like a tarantula or something. But uh, they live in groups too. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, where the where where I've never actually seen any of these. At least I don't think so. Yeah. So most of the ones, yeah. You know, there's there's some in the U.S. but they're more on the East Coast, and then you kind of go down the East Coast, uh, and then in South America there's several different closely related species. Oh. Uh, the one I study, though, is actually from South Africa or Southern Africa area, so like Namibia, South Africa, Botswana. Um, but there's a few closely related species that are down there, too. Then there's okay. certain different degrees of social arachnids all, all around the world to varying degrees. Hmm. Well, is that kind of behavior uh, from some kind of common ancestry with uh, social insects? Or is it different? No, they're pretty... Own? Yeah, they're pretty distantly related, so yeah, they're they got a couple hundred hundred million years separating them <laughs> apart. Uh, most of the social spiders, a lot of them, I think it's independently evolved. I want to say about five or six times, uh, just in, in spiders generally, and only among a few close related groups too. So it's a good trick, as uh, Daniel Dennett would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it can be gain it again. Yeah, it's it's a useful strategy for certain times, but sometimes these, what we see with social spiders is sometimes they're kind of like evolutionary dead ends because uh, they tend to have to evolve sociality to to solve certain riddles about their environment, like collecting uh, large amounts of food. And so once they're social, they're kind of stuck into this uh, this one way of life. And then you know if if the environment changes, then there goes all your social spiders. So it's kind of a um, it's seen as sort of a dead end sometimes for huh. for these groups. It also usually requires a lot of inbreeding as well, so uh, oh. it's, it's pretty fun to study that. Okay, so th there's uh, subpopulations are pretty common in amongst these uh, social groups. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. But it's uh, any any parallels with uh, humans? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we so what I specifically study in both. Uh, social spiders and insects, uh, as I study personality, basically. Um, and so what this is, it's just defined as uh, repeatable differences in behavior between individuals. So, you know, we kind of think about it colloquially with 
with, with humans or our pets and we know that no two dog behaves the same way and they'll behave consistently a certain way for their whole lives whether or not they're like more aggressive or more docile or they're more sociable and things like that uh, but I study this personality in sort of a, a social context so I'm looking at something like I have a big spider colony with a hundred spiders in it and I want to know uh, what's the behavioral distribution of all the individuals within this colony uh, and once we find that out, then we can, you know, make artificial colonies composed of, say, like, a 100% bold colony and a 100% shy colony, and then every kind of variation in between. And then we can get a good idea of how the societies are structuring themselves with respect to uh, this, this personality variation. Are they better at solving certain, uh, certain colony tasks, like collecting food or caring for young uh, And this also has been applied to humans as well. We, we see it in, in some studies of, in... Uh, in corporations where they're trying to have team building and you want to have, you know, you don't want to have a bunch of introverts all in one, in one team. You need to have sort of a, just sort of an optimal mix of certain personality types. So a lot of companies are using this type of research to, you know, to make their certain, their, their, their groups for, you know, a sales project or something mm -hmm. uh, because the personality types in the group definitely matter. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Funny you should say team building. I'm so so not a team player. <laughs> I'm, the, yeah. I'm the kind. We we were at, at beer fest last night, and there there was uh, a couple of well, you know these pedal tours where you you have a big thing and everybody pedals, and I, I'd be the okay. guy who's faking the pedaling, uh, <laughs> taking advantage of the group. <laughs> uh, uh, a little game yeah. theory there. Um, mm. It would be uh, happens in the animals too. You get a lot of. Uh, they call them inquilines. They're individuals that'll kind of remain outside the colony and and just take advantage of all the, the all the benefits of the group for catching prey, but they're just doing their own thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, I'd be. It's kind of sociopathic, I suppose, in a in a sense. But yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lazy. That's that's my only reason. I'm not really sociopathic, uh, but I'm not not exactly an extrovert either, like like Christine yeah. there. Well, also, the property, property of ants. There's actually some ants they call lazy ants because there's about you know anywhere up to eighty percent or more of the colony. Like none of the workers are doing anything, and no one can figure out what why there's just a bunch of lazy ants in these colony. I mean, there's there's some ideas they have about like reserve workforces, but uh, oh, they're literally called lazy ants. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think that it may just be just the spectrum of behavior that uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, part of that spectrum and that's the way it is uh, it might mm -hmm. not be adaptation it's at all uh, it's it's always that game theory battle between the, the uh, I'm not gonna say good and bad but uh, uh, those that do for the group and those that take advantage of the group oh yeah it's uh, gonna be cheaters there's always <laughs> and there's always going to be some stable populations of each uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting reading up on group theory, or not group theory, um, that's totally different, uh, uh, game theory. Yeah, that was, that was some of the stuff that got me interested in sort of the social social behavior in the yeah. first, and I guess yeah. evolution in general, too, yeah, it's fascinating yeah. stuff. Because you have to pr produce testable hypotheses and then actually go out and uh, yeah. get the data. Yeah, uh, so... To start off with this, uh, you know, getting into the trans women in sport. I mean, you you wrote for Quillette. Quillette. It's, yeah, Quillette. Yeah. I'm never really sure how to under, how to uh, pronounce that, but it's, it's double L. <laughs> so Quillette. 
and uh, he wrote an article. Uh, it was called uh, oh, "Refresh My Memory." Uh, the new evolution deniers. Yes, the new evolution mm -hmm. deniers uh, on most you know the the left, which is you know both sides, both ends of, ends of the spectrum are. You know, one end of the spectrum denies uh, climate science, and the other end denies biology, really, uh, as a yeah. whole, and, and the implications of evolution, evolutionary behavior. I mean, you get you know, people like Cordelia Fine who say that there is no such thing as uh, uh, a, I was going to say gendered brain, but it's not right, uh, sex, uh, sexual di dimorphism in, in brain function or and anatomy mm -hmm. you know it, it it's not even true she's wrong uh it's uh it's something that is is just coming to the fore and we saw with i've i've run into these people where they claim that you know after hormone uh therapy that uh, trans women you know, basically become women which is weird because you know yeah. their fat goes to the right places, etc. And the problem with that is, is that yeah, those are that's true, but those are perturbations on top of a frame that developed uh, uh, as a man, and yeah. these are lasting effects. It's not magic. Um, yeah, I feel like that's something that kind of gets lost in the greater discussion. Is people, you know, they're constantly saying, well, if you just lower testosterone down to, you know, I think it used to be 10 animals per liter, now it's, I think, around 5. But this idea that you can simply lower current levels of testosterone down to, you know, the level that you see in females, and then that'll essentially erase the entire male advantage. Whereas what they're not taking account for is, it's not just current testosterone that's that matters for how strong you are at any given moment, but also... You know how testosterone has guided the development of your body from adolescence through puberty until adulthood, and you know simply taking cross-sex hormones or puberty blockers, they don't reverse how tall you are, how long your arms are, your lung-to-body ratios, you know, and any all those things that definitely matter for athletic ability in sports. So that's something that seems to get totally glossed over in this whole thing is. It's, we can't just focus on current testosterone. It's got to be passed, and that needs to actually be be front and center. I think in this whole this whole debate. Yeah, that's uh, and that that comes up when we when we talk about Castor Semenya, uh, because even if she, you know, we'll talk about it. Now we'll talk about it a bit. I want to I want to do uh, something first, and I want to talk. I'm going to give two different uh, points of view. I should have done this to begin with, but I want to before I do that, I just want to do a little thing for people watching. Yeah. Today's, Today's secret word is, is testosterone. Alright, alright. For you for those of you playing at home, I just gave you the secret word. Alright. So okay. Anyway, this is this is two opposing viewpoints. Now you were on uh, a television program uh, with Jen Smith and yeah, well. and she and she says this. 
People are confusing gender with sex. Right. So sex is a biological reality, okay, and that's in your body, and you're either XX or XY, and that's something that cannot be changed. But when we uh, are talking transgender issues today, we have a lot of people who are assuming that because you switch genders, that changes your sex. Well, that's not true. Right. Right. Sorry about that. That's. It's okay. We heard it. You, you got. But you know, that's a perfectly reasonable viewpoint. Oh yeah, no, Jordana's yeah. great. She's now yeah. banned from Twitter. I don't know if you know about that. Seriously, why? Uh, she was banned not too long after that because she started arguing with trans activists. So she's been gone for maybe a month or so now. Jeez. Permanent ban. Yeah. Permanent ban. Oh man. Yeah. That's a whole other kettle of fish. One of these <laughs> yeah. times we'll open that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah, really, that's just terrible. Um, yeah, that's bad. She was a really, a really powerful voice in that whole. Yeah, but she's whole... she. I, I get the feeling that she is against activists that promote this whole no biological sex thing because it hurts transgender movement, and I think it does. Well, she's. Yeah. Well, Jen is. You know, she's she's not an, an a, a trans activist. She's just someone who wants to live her life as a trans woman. Uh, yeah. And you know, with taking all the facts that that entails about how, yeah, her distinction between sex and gender, which is definitely something that's completely glossed over, or or just they're they're equivocated between constantly. You see a lot of these trans activists, and they'll constantly be flipping through sex and gender. So if I'll say something like, you know, this individual is is a female or or or, or, or a male, they'll be like, no, they're a woman. And so like, well, you can see they're just they're changing the terms that I'm using. I'm using a biological term, and I always I always try to avoid gender language. I always try to stick to words that are you know male and female when I'm talking about sex. Yes. But then they'll they'll latch on to that and they'll say like they'll switch it to man and woman, which for them means something completely different than I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it's something to stay. Well, that's one thing that Jen was about. very careful about is in not to conflate the two. And stick to t- separate terms that that aren't confusing, and uh, I think she's totally right on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I hope I want to play the other one, but I'm scared the same thing is about to happen. <laughs> Go for Basically. it. Basically, yeah, it's gonna do it. Uh, I I'm gonna play it, but I gotta fix it somewhere. Everybody had a joint today. <laughs> yeah. Now. Nope. All right, I'm gonna try that now. Basically, oh, it's still happening. I, it's. It's not troublesome, Randy. It's we not can still troublesome. Make it okay, I'll, I'll just. No. That. I'll just. It's just it. an echo. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll Basically, it's not, not correct, correct that, that there is such a thing as biological, biological sex, and I'm a historian of medicine. medicine. I can I can unpack that for you at great length if you want, but in the interest of time, uh, I won't. So that's a very popular misconception. What do you say to someone who says this? I would say, please, the floor is yours. Unpack that at length. You know, just <laughs> do the work that you're claiming you can do, because that's about as extreme a claim as anyone could ever make with a straight face. But, but you're seeing this more and more, and it <laughs> seems to be within the last year, two years, that it's coming up everywhere, the, and it coming out of... People who are should know better, 
they they know something about science. This is the the amazing thing. Um, I I don't know yeah, what I say about say, these people. I say that when you when you drill down with these people who are saying things like male and female don't exist, when you, if you actually start engaging with them on this claim, they'll always kind of fall back on this argument that you know there's no single trait that is going to be 100% diagnostic that can cleanly and definitively separate males from females where there's no one going to be left in the middle. And because you can't create these two completely separate boxes, therefore, you know, it's just our brains that are just coming up with these. We're just looking, we're just, we're just pattern-seeking brains and we're just creating these, we're socially constructing these categories. Uh, but that's just an entirely uh, fallacious way of looking at things. Um, I had a, a Twitter thread recently that explained what this fallacy is. It's called the, the univariate fallacy, where it's basically that claim that if you can't pinpoint a single a single trait or a single factor that's responsible for uh, creating two different categories or, or resulting in a certain effect, then those categories or that effect are essentially not real in some way or socially constructed. Um, but the fact is, you know, there are differences between males and females, and we can use some traits, like if we if we just want to use chromosomes alone, well, that's going to account for 99.98% of, you know, what we consider males and females, and if we want to go and break things down even more, we can talk about whether someone's, you know, a genetic male, if they have a, a Y chromosome, uh, or if they're, you know, if there's a mismatch between their, you know, their, their sex phenotype and their genotype, you know, we can make these distinctions and they're not difficult. So an example I usually give of, of this univariate fallacy is you could say something like there's no difference whatsoever. There's no single defining trait that separates a male face from a female face. Even though they've done studies where they've, you know, they've covered people's hair and they've told them you know, no makeup or anything, clean shaven, and people are able to identify male and female faces within a few seconds, you know, upward, close to almost almost 100% of the time. Uh, and so what's going on there? You know, if, if we were to look at any single trait, if we were just to look at, say, like, uh, the shape of your nose, well, if you're, if you're only looking at nose shape, maybe you're not going to get up to 100, close to 100%. Maybe you'll get it right 70% of the time. Uh, or if you just look at, you know, how prominent your brow ridge is, maybe you'll get that right 80% of the time. But if you take into account, you know, your nose shape, brow ridge prominence, eye depth, jaw structure, you know, if you take all these factors in at once, then you can almost with certainty accurately predict the sex of an individual. And what we're doing in our daily lives, when I, when I look at a face and I, my brain immediately is doing this multivariate analysis and is looking at all these traits at once and kind of just getting a sort of a gestalt of the brain and it's saying male or female. Uh, and so this is how we need to start classifying things. We can't just fall for this fallacy because we can't separate these groups cleanly with a single factor. Then, therefore, these categories are essentially figments of our imagination and don't exist. That's that's the biggest fallacy that is is going on in this arena. And it's not just with sex too; it's uh, other things as well. The, the, I, I want to run. I was saying that I wanted to run by you an explanation for all of this, and I think my my hypothesis is that a lot of this is based in fear of the what's happened in the past when you know there was uh, discrimination when men 
and women's you know careers behaviors etc they were codified into two separate well separated uh, patterns and it, it's not ba it's binary as opposed to based on population statistics like we would now and there's this fear that it would return to that if we actually acknowledge differences between the sexes uh, I don't know is that a, a reasonable hypothesis yeah I think I think you're right on the, the basis of what they're of their fear and I I'll be the first to say that their their aspirations are are honorable they they they're trying to you know they're, they're trying to make sure discrimination isn't happening but the way they're going about this is completely backwards so the, the way forward in this in this question uh to you know to address things like discrimination based on you know individual and group differences the solution isn't to uh say that well there is no difference between these groups and that's what they're trying to do right now they're trying to make mm -hmm. claims that the differences themselves don't exist so there's just the basis for any sort of discrimination has no, you know, material basis. There's no; these groups aren't even aren't even real. They're just figments of your imagination. Where instead, we need to. What we should be doing is acknowledging that individuals differ in many different traits. You know, we can identify groups by certain traits, uh, and but none of these traits should be should be used as a diagnostic on the humanity of a certain group. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to, you know, I mean, it just goes back to. Martin Luther King is judge individuals or groups by the, the content of of their character oh, that's rather than <laughs> yeah exactly uh, you know we just need to be evaluating you know, give them give them each the opportunity make sure there's you know equality of opportunity and not this equality of outcome that we kind of see uh, being being championed nowadays uh, yeah and exactly. if, if you're just if you're just gonna ignore that, that you know people are different or that you know there aren't such thing as you know racial differences say between between certain groups i mean this is this isn't the way forward this is it's gonna just it's just denying reality to try to fit a narrative rather than trying to just kind of go above that and just say only treat people on the way that their uh you know that, that, that their character is, is is providing evidence for I, I just wanted to oh here here's a i love this uh here we go to browser uh Sharon Davies uh, uh, was dismayed because a trans power lifter smashes women's world records. Nine, <laughs> yeah. nine world records. Shock and surprise. <laughs> uh, are, are, you, are you at all? I mean, uh, it's amazing that people allow this. How does this, yeah. how does sport allow this? this yeah, this, no I don't know if you've seen, there's, there's been a, a quick follow up to this actually. Uh, the I can't remember the guy's name. He's the the president, basically, of the powerlifting association that this trans woman supposedly won beat the world records in. Yeah, is that uh, he recently Cooper? came out. Uh, that's J.C. No. Cooper right there. Yeah, this is J.C. Cooper, but it's another powerlifter. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, but uh, so the the president of that powerlifting association came out with a, a statement just two or three days ago, basically that uh, that said that this this person did not declare. What you know their their sex status beforehand going into the going into it, and so uh, and but after they win a competition, they're 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 subjected to like a drug test and like a DNA test or something, 
uh, which, you know, they didn't pass because they're biologically male. And so she actually, they're, they're not giving her these world records. So, um, well, that's, yeah, yeah been, that's something. This has been stayed. <laughs> but a lot of people, okay, here, here's one from, uh, this is, this is our, our actual, oops, sorry, uh, Minister of Science that said this. This is Kirsty Duncan. Whoops. Let me go back to the. Uh, Kirsty Duncan is our Minister of Science, and she was commenting on the Castor Semenya story, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. Uh, let me go back. Special. And here it is. Should be. Oh, it's not going to show. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'll do it by this way. Okay. Um, no sport organization should be deciding who is a woman or what makes a woman. Uh, seems to me that there are two things wrong with this. Nobody's questioning whether Castor Semenya is a woman. It's what we're saying is that she's got a leg up. It, it, it's people are equ making a false equivalence between oh, someone has longer arms or, or longer legs, etc. Is it's a at that level there isn't much difference in the in the length of of women's legs. In, in running the 800 but mm -hmm. test oh here we go testosterone <laughs> testosterone is a sledgehammer yeah it's a it, it makes the a world of difference i mean that if you look at the concentrations of of testosterone between men and women women have somewhere you know 6 to 60 uh, nanograms per per deciliter and, uh, or sorry, is that right? Deciliter or deciliter? It's deciliter, right? Yeah, I, I usually go by the nanos liter, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in men, it's an order of magnitude greater at 300. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's amazing that people don't, you know, the androgenic effects of, of testosterone are huge. Yeah, there's there's actually some more details with Semenya's case. So before before this recent ruling, there had been no sort of divulgence of of her um, her genetics in this case or her chromosome makeup karyotype. Uh, but it's important to note that these new IAAF rules they only apply to individuals who are XY and who have these differences of sexual development. So beforehand, it was unclear, um, but in, per the new rules, uh, any XX female is actually able to compete without any restrictions, even if they have natural hormone levels above five animals per liter. So these rules only apply to XY individuals. Interesting. So the fact that Semenya is unable to compete means that she is a genetic male, uh, with a condition called PAIS, it's a partial androgen insensitivity disorder. So basically, she has a Y chromosome that's fully functional, uh, but she has androgen receptors that are only, uh, you know, partially sensitive to testosterone. So, um, so she didn't develop, you know, down a 100% male pathway through puberty because her her receptors are only partially uh, are, uh, sensitive to testosterone, and so. She is basically, um, you know, these are politically charged words, but she is a basically a, a feminized male. 
and so because she's XY and you know she's that and she has internal testes that are creating this high level of testosterone. Mm -hmm. So that is something that's constantly left out of this whole discussion. You see people saying that you know she's a female or like how you how, how are you keeping this woman out of women's sports? Well, I mean that's actually debatable and depends on what you mean by woman and female in these cases. Um, and you know it's people need to acknowledge the fact that women's sports if we want women to be able to compete we want females and girls to be able to compete and win we need to have restrictions on who counts as a female so we have women's sports which is essentially a, a restricted class and then we have you know quote-unquote male sports but those actually aren't male sports they're, they're open leagues most of male events aren't you don't have to prove that you have a Y chromosome they're open to everybody so no one is saying that Semenya is unable to compete in a certain sport. All they're saying is they can't compete according to these rules, a restricted rule to keep female sports competitive. And you know, people go back to that univariate fallacy I mentioned earlier and say like, but there's no single trait that's gonna define it. We're like, well, we have to draw a line somewhere. At some point, a line has to be drawn. Otherwise, bye-bye women's sports. You'll never, you'll, if yep. you don't have any line, then you can just have males join. Uh, and I think the rules that they have uh, are, are about as reasonable as you can get, which is shocking given how crazy everything is, that you can come up with rules that are this good, where, you know, if you're XX, so if you're, if you're genetically female and you just happen to have high testosterone, if you have like polycystic ovary syndrome or something, you're still allowed to compete without taking, uh, you know, um, hormone blockers or anything like that. But if you're genetically male, and you have testosterone above a certain height, well, you can still compete if you have this disorder of differences of sexual development, so long as you bring your testosterone down. So no one's forcing Semenya to lower her testosterone. Uh, she can compete in the open category if, if she'd like to, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate. And, and she's, there, there's nothing she did that was wrong, and yeah. people have no compassion for her, and people do, but we can't let compassion for you know, a certain single individual ruin an entire category and the competitiveness of an entire restricted league for girls and women. So, yeah, yeah. so that's that's the full details on on her case. This whole ideology of sameness between between the sexes. I mean, it it's gone to ridiculous extremes. Where I mean, first of all, why do we have men's and women's sports? I mean, it's separated. Uh, and so, just as an example, some clever budgie, and I'm using that term very sarcastically, in Spain decided to have boys and girls high school basketball mingle. And we have boys teams against girls teams. Oh, man. And the, the girls teams, on average, lost by 50 points. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I heard about that, and I heard I heard that they put they made it in. I, don't, I haven't verified this, but I heard that this rule was put into in the beginning of the season, and so there's like it's kind of grandfathered and locked in right now. So they have to oh, they, they have, have to continue they have to continue the whole year with this with this rule where they have to the women are going to be competing against the 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 boys and everything. It's crazy that you know this is of course <laughs> right at the point where boys are becoming men physically, and just you know you, you could probably do that with six or seven year olds and not have oh, a yeah, but yeah 
I mean, yeah. you, you get most most sports leagues are not sex segregated, you know, until you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen, when people are starting to go through puberty. That's only after that is usually when you have you know, the sex segregation. Um, but you know, sports. you know that that word uh, uh, testosterone. You know, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a big thing. I mean, it, it it's ma it's massive. You can't ignore this. Yeah. I mean, did you see the recent New York Times piece yes. on the myth of? I, I want, yeah, we're gonna go. Let's go to that New York Times piece uh, yeah. because it was. Uh, this is the myth of testosterone. The myth of testosterone. <laughs> bit written by Katrina Kirkazis and Rebecca Jordan Young. Uh, this is. Uh, I forgot to put the testosterone thing. Okay. Uh, it is not the male sex hormone, nor is it the key to athletic performance. Doesn't that de kind of depend on which sport? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's also kind of critical can, in weightlifting, right? And, yeah, and you can see him setting up the univariate fallacy right there in the title too, where they're trying to say, you know, testosterone isn't something that all males have and females don't. But you no know, one is saying that. I mean, it's all about testosterone levels, and it, we we need to acknowledge that male levels of testosterone are, you know, an order of magnitude or more higher than than females. I mean, I think yep. the average female is like something between like 0.6 and like 1.5 nanomoles per liter, and males is something like, I want to say 30 to 60 or something like that. So it's, it's mm -hmm. a huge, a yeah, it's huge a big, difference. Huge difference. In and no, there's no, yeah, there's no one out there saying that, you know, if you have testosterone in your blood, that makes you male. And, yeah. and throughout this piece, they basically make this argument that uh, even I think later in the document they they even go full univariate fallacy and say something well, they, like yeah, you know I'll, I'll read it actually <laughs> okay yeah go for it yeah uh, labeling testosterone the male sex hormone suggests that it is restricted to men and is alien to women's bodies and obfuscates the fact that women also produce and require testosterone as part of healthy functioning. Even the earliest hormone researchers understood that testosterone was, has wide-ranging effects on metabolism, liver function, bones, muscles, skin, and the brain in both sexes. Yeah, true, but they, they, they're missing the you know, Paracelsus' uh, uh, dictum that the dose makes the poison. It's a massive difference. Yeah, yeah and even if you look among, so you can like look among elite athletes and it might be difficult to draw, you know, a perfect parallel between how high their testosterone is and their performance. But the point is that testosterone, like, while it might be hard to draw a single line of, you know, you have higher testosterone, that means you're this much faster or this much, you know, stronger. But the idea is that testosterone has multiple effects. It affects everything simultaneously. So if you have mm -hmm. an individual before they go through puberty... Uh, so the before, like, if you have a male, so before they go through puberty, if you were to just put them on, to, you know, hormone blockers and never let them go through puberty, well, they would be shorter, they would be weaker, they would be slower on that, like, for sure. Like, we know they're going to be shorter. They if you allow them to go through puberty, they're, they yeah, that, that person is 100% <laughs> going to be taller if you allow them to develop, and it's going to affect so many aspects of their biology, you know, the, the development of their brain and how strong they are, how big their, their bones become, the, you know, mm -hmm. tendon strength. And so That's it's just happened. this, yeah, this has multiple effects. So, yeah, you yeah. can't maybe draw a direct line from any one trait to athletic ability, but, yeah, you can't do it for one. You can do it for all of them. 
simultaneously, and it matters, especially when one group, males, has such a higher level, and they're reaping all these benefits of that. Yeah, they bring up a, a, a study from 2004, you know, saying that, uh, well, testosterone doesn't guarantee athletic performance, uh, because uh, cyclists have less testosterone. Um, yeah, but they also have, men's, uh, men have higher hemoglobin concentrations in blood. Yeah. And, and it might make that, a difference, too. Saying that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, Sorry, it's important for <laughs> things like uh, weightlifting, uh, anything, any, the strength sports, no, no question. But, you know, cyclists, cyclists don't benefit necessarily from large muscles uh, <laughs> at all. I mean, it's, a, it's actually a detriment because of, you know, weight and uh, trans, you know, transport of oxygen, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why, you know, testosterone is a banned substance in every professional sports league around the world, uh, and there's a reason bodybuilders specifically decide to use it because of its effects on, you know, protein synthesis, muscle recovery, and just just the amount of muscle mass you're able to carry on your body, you know, at any given moment. Um, when you look at like why do trans men get strong or yeah, trans men get stronger? when they transition from female to male, when they're just taking testosterone. Like, the effects are dramatic. Uh, and why do trans women uh, get weaker when they start going on hormone blockers? Like, these... There's no organization in the world right now that's accepting trans women without this uh, requirement of lowering testosterone. Now, I don't think lowering testosterone is not going to remove all the benefits of, you know, having gone through male puberty and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's, it certainly does make them weaker what the only variable we're changing here is that we're lowering their testosterone. <laughs> so how do you explain that? And how do you expect, uh, how do you explain the fact that, you know, just at the time when little boys and girls are starting to go through puberty is when the males start running faster than the girls start getting taller than the girls. Like it, it's just, it's crazy. It, testosterone matters so much for so many different things. And no one's making this claim that testosterone is only found in males and females. It's just a straw man combined with the univariate fallacy. So just pick your pick your fallacy, basically, and <laughs> publish it in the New York Times and in Nature. Yeah, no kidding. It's New York Times. And, yeah, Nature published that little bit on the the myth of the gendered brain. Oh. Yeah, if, if, the, if these things were, like, coming out of BuzzFeed and stuff, like, that'd still be bad. You know, if they're oh, coming out of, you know, it's Red BuzzFeed. State or really, really crazy news. I mean, that wouldn't matter, but we're talking Nature, which is yeah. the most prestigious scientific journal in the world. In the New York Times, which is probably the most widely read magazine in the world, so their reach is extremely far, and they're extremely influential, and they're just publishing complete pseudoscience. It's it's how do how do they how do such people who do spout this reconcile their views with reality? This is what I don't understand. I mean, you can actually see this. I mean, look at Castor Seminius. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> can can I interject? Sure, go ahead. This this might help explain it. Um, somebody who I deeply respect um, left this conversation and say said there were trans haters for having this discussion. Yay! And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is a programmer who is scientifically literate, and I'm I'm stunned. You know, because I don't think any of us are trans haters. I mean, that's crazy. Huh, interesting. So, how do, so, Colin, how do you address those types of accusations? 
if you get them. I, I presume you get. Yeah, you, you said the word transfeeder. Is that what you said? Transfeeder. Transhater. Oh yeah, no, I get it all the time. Uh, and I mean, it's just something you need to address. You know, you need to stick completely to the facts of the matter and. You know, I'm not going to ever just, you know, there's, of course, the, the reason that I, that I hate the most when I talk about trans issues is I try to do it just in the most, like, here are the facts, here we know, you know, and being compassionate as much as I can. But the thing that I hate the most, like, I posted that one uh, story about that trans woman who, you know, um, broke four world records or whatever and went nine for nine on her events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's important to get that message out that look how absurd this is look we're all in clown world now like this is insane that needs to be front and center in everyone's mind about how insane this really is but then you know, look at the comments that i get on that because joe rogan retweeted it and so he's got a lot of you know dude bro fans just and they're just making you know, they're just saying things just like you know that's an ugly bitch or you know they're just or or you know just making really really mean remarks oh, just like good. at the yeah, trans right. person and so and so all these people all these people come out that are like that wouldn't have come out if I didn't you know tweet this out. But you know, as long as we just need to make sure that we stay on on uh, on topic and that we're not perpetuating any sort of negative stereotypes. Because I mean, I'm the first person to say that I have nothing but compassion for for trans individuals. I'm so glad I don't know what it's like to feel like I was born in the wrong body and mm-hmm. feel like I want to get out of it and change it. Like this, there should be nothing but compassion for them. But compassion doesn't need to come necessarily with just buying into them or, or feeding into their delusions about what they really are. Uh, and what they are is whatever sex they were born with, and they'll never be able to change that. And it's going to hurt for them to hear that, but what are we going to do? Just buy into their into their their idea about themselves? Just tell them that they're the thing that they're not? And then go and make laws that are going to cater to this delusion that they have about themselves like no, you know we there needs to be an adult in the room saying you know we can we can socially accept you as you know the sex that you identify as and we'll do our best to use the pronouns you want to and you know i have no problem with a trans woman like i'll call them I'll refer to them as she and i'll treat Absolutely. them like i treat anyone else uh so that's but we you know we can't just it, it's a social thing it's a social acceptance but it's yeah. loaded into law and this is what they're trying to do. And at this point is where we need to just draw a line in the sand and say, sorry, we can't bend reality for you. Like, reality needs to be, it's the bedrock. And we accept you on a social level. But I'm sorry, you've gone through male puberty. You cannot compete in the women's league. I'm sorry, you can compete in the open league. So when one's saying you can't compete, you just can't compete as a woman because your identity doesn't dictate anything about your actual biology except for subjective brain states that you happen to have i wonder how the, prevalent this idea ideology and that's what it is it's ideology it's not uh, evidence-based uh, positions how 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 uh, entrenched is it in the i don't know the answer to this how, how entrenched is it in various communities including the, the trans community uh because obviously, not all of them agree. Yeah, I suspect it's not. Well, it's not all, and I don't even know if it's most. It's it's hard to tell because they're such they're a loud yes group, and so what we experience on places like Twitter 
it's, it's probably way overrepresented. Then I mean, it has to be over overrepresented because I think the volume is louder than than the proportion of individuals that are actually holding these views. Um, I've I know several trans women who are just you know they're they're kind of like the Jen Smiths of the world where they they realize that you know they what they have is they they have dysphoria. They they want to do ways to bring their bodies more in line with with the way that you know an expression that they're most comfortable with. Um, but they realize that you know they there are certain attributes that they don't share with biological women. Like they've haven't been socialized as a as a girl growing up. They haven't had to been good you know been ashamed of their periods or anything like that. So they haven't they haven't been treated like women uh, in many ways. So there's just a lot of there there are differences in the experiences between biological women who've been raised as women and trans women who have essentially been raised as men their whole lives and then are just trying to you know, join the party late who can't comment on things like abortion or uh, things like uh, menstruation or th anything, you know, and, and even, you know, categories like, you know, incidences of, of rape or things like that where, that are sensitive that women deserve to have their own places to be able to feel comfortable and talk to them about these subjects without male-bodied individuals essentially asserting themselves in these, in these situations. So... And and we I do, I do see a lot of you know I say a lot but it's hard to yeah I don't know what proportion that is of the community if I had to guess I, it's, it's not it can't be most I I refuse to believe that <laughs> I think most have to be pretty reasonable or just non political but uh yeah it's definitely I, a problem because I've been called the loud ones that are oh me I get that every almost uh, every day you know, so like, uh, uh, trans exclusionary uh, radical feminist and my response was. I'm not radical. <laughs> yeah, and that also, yeah. And the thing is, like, people get called, you know, trans exclusionary radical feminists, but you know, it's the the main thing that people are trying to exclude. The, the I guess the main trait that people want to exclude isn't isn't the fact that you're trans. Like when yeah. when we're talking about trans women playing in you know in female sports, and they say, well, you're discriminating against trans people. It's like, no, no, no. Like we're not saying you can't join because you're trans we're saying you can't join because you're male like a trans woman can't play against the female league for the exact same reason that i shouldn't be able to play in the trans woman league like it's that it's not sexist to tell me that i can't play you know against females any more than it's transphobic to say that a trans woman can't play against females it's just it's, it's a sex division it has nothing to do with you being trans like that's not the trait of interest that we're talking about. But you and know the story of Hannah Mancy? Oh, no. No, uh, Hannah Mancy... Hannah, I, I might have, maybe I'm bad with names, so... Australia, maybe. She was a she played Australian football, which is... I, I like watching on TV, but she played in women's professional uh, Australian football and broke somebody's leg because mm. she is about twice the size of anybody that. else who yeah, plays that game. It, and... Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, that's wrong. I'm sorry, it's just wrong. She yeah. has we're, we're just advantage. asked to we're just being asked to observe this absurdity and just act like nothing's wrong here, nothing to see here. Yeah, I just it's, find it it's crazy. the biggest it's just it's the biggest form of, of gaslighting that I could even imagine <laughs> happening. We're telling people to do you know just your thing to see. Oh yeah, I mean we're saying like don't trust your eyes, like there's yeah. no difference between this individual who's you know, breaking women's legs, <laughs> you know, who yeah. just so happened to be trans. Like, yeah. 
there's a there's an interesting number in that gets, that you can calculate, which is the, the ratio of performance between uh, women and men. And there's an interesting number that, if you look at the the numbers here, the uh, let me bump that up for you. Uh, the the ratio comes out to about 0 0.89.90, and th this is from you go from mm -hmm. uh, 100 meters to the marathon. That number is essentially the same. I, I recalculated it for the marathon. It's actually lower than that. It's 0.89. Um, and this isn't just track and field. You can go to weightlifting. You can go to kayaking and uh, rowing. Mm -hmm. These nu this number ke it keeps coming up, and it, it's got a very small uh, deviation of about 0 0.02. Oh, yeah. And it, it's everywhere, as long as you can measure it. I mean, like fencing, well, you can't really do that. But um, mm -hmm. it, it it's, it's hasn't changed in over half a century. So uh, people say that, that women are catching up to men. They, they just aren't. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Happening. And there's <laughs> good reason to say they aren't going to. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you compare before, like, women never got into sports... You know, yeah, when they just first got access, they weren't as impressive as they are now. <laughs> you know, there's a historical lag. But to act like because they, the women's times have gone, you know, the, the gap has closed a little, to say that with more time the gap's going to close completely is, complete, is, is completely nonsense. Uh, what we're seeing right now is, you know, this point of diminishing returns where, like, before women were at a disadvantage, and now that competition, women have been able to play sports for a long time, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're beginning to the asymptote they're beginning to realize mm -hmm. you know their full potential but still that that final asymptote the limit that they have is still right around 10 percent under yeah at uh, the what level what, yeah. what, what men can do so yeah it's not it's not still increasing it's going to be you know if it, if it increases anymore it's going to be increasing at a decreasing returns. rate yeah oh. totally diminishing returns and we were talking about Castor Semenya. Uh, she she's an Olympic champion. Uh, I assume the world record holder right now for the women's 800 meters. And it's been very controversial for years uh, her participation because she has uh, elevated testosterone. Uh, we just we talked a little <laughs> bit about that. And yeah, the the decisions really. I think you came up with a good solution that if she wants to compete, she can compete in, in an open category. Uh, yeah, just and she can compete if if she lowers her if she lowers her testosterone below five nanomoles per liter, she'd be allowed to compete because she's considered the X Y DSD, you know, a trans or intersex condition. Um, and so yeah, so she's able to she actually she's able to compete in both categories, uh, but she would have to take some sort of blocker. Yeah, to she, and she was for a while. Then then there was a reversal of the decision by uh, a court. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, then, and, and, and interesting, interesting fact too. Those those few years where she did lower her testosterone, her 800 meter run times uh, went up by about five to seven seconds for those years, and then went back yeah. down again to where they were before. So, does testosterone matter? Well, in five to seven seconds for an 800 meter is pretty large. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but the yeah. The denial just amazes me. There's this, just, you know, and we get people that uh, are, I wouldn't, 
some some are scientists, some are historians of science or sociologists or, or you know they're on the edges of science that that are participating in that in this and actually inflaming things. And then of course we have our minister mm-hmm. of science, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard it's hard for just your general person in the population to to evaluate some of these claims they're making because you have people who are sometimes scientists themselves publishing articles in the most prestigious scientific journal in the world, Nature, making you know fallacies that are hard to detect. Like it's it's hard to detect sometimes the mm-hmm. the univariate fallacy unless you know about univariate and multivariate statistics and analyses and like what that means and what a principal component analysis is. And these aren't things that most people have ever even heard of in their lives. And so you right. get these scientists right. publishing papers in, in prestigious journals, making mirrors, the whole thing. Uh, and so I'm, what I'm trying to do is highlight a lot of these fallacies that, <laughs> that you're... Why are we not hearing more about female to male transgender or from them, um, especially those who are engaging in sports? And second, what we, we frame this around sports, but what implications... Does this have is there contributions in general as well as that to you? Yeah. So I've, for the for the voices type thing, uh, you know, why aren't so many like standing up and you know being activists? I guess I don't know, but I have heard people say that you know, um, females. If we look at like human personality differences, on average, females are high score higher in traits like agreeableness. They're probably just less aggressive and confrontational, on average. Uh, man, there's there's ten trans women, um, so there's their numbers are lower, and also a lot of trans men are probably less inclined to want to compete because they know that they're at an advantage. They're because uh, when when they start taking testosterone, since they've already uh, basically matured as a female, like they're not gonna get taller. They're not gonna go through male puberty that's gonna change their bodies in a complete way. I mean, they'll, they'll see a lot of differences, uh, but they're gonna be they're going to be at a, at a disadvantage compared to um, a biological male that's going through. Um, and so that's, that's I think some of that can explain for why you don't see trans men in sports, it may be, and probably why they're not speaking up uh, to the same degree, although I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and then you asked a question about the what the hormones do to their bodies is that what you said can you repeat no what are the health implications for transgendered people male or female of, of just taking cross-sex hormones well um i guess i mean i would think there would be medical import where yeah. if you're designated as a particular sex and you become another gender but if you deny your sex you could end up in you know some kind of um, medical trouble right Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, there's there's certain types of uh, mental conditions that, that express themselves differently. In well, even male- heart, heart attacks. Yeah, exactly. Right? Heart attacks, like men, yeah. they feel there's different, there's, you know, there's just different sort of diagnostic things to look out for that are the, that are the signs of, you know, if you're going to have a heart attack, mm-hmm. which is useful to know. <laughs> and so this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of medical reasons why... Yeah. The doctor needs to know your sex and not how you identify, because how you identify has nothing to do with how they should medically approach you. Yeah, uh, even even breast cancer. I realize that men get breast cancer too, but you know, um, I don't know what the ratio is, but it's I suppose if you're okay, yeah. And if you go, so, you know, if you go into a clinic and you have, you know, if your stomach is cramping, it's 
important to know if you're a female. Maybe you need to, you know, have a uh, a pregnancy test. You know, yeah. or if you're <laughs> if you're saying, you if you're, saying that, if you're saying that you're a male, then you know, <laughs> then there's no reason why you should have something like that. But um, yeah. yeah, but I, I've even been seeing people. I don't know if you've seen Ellis Cashmore on on Twitter. They're, I think I think I want to say they're British, but they're they're sociologists and they're the ones who are making these claims and saying that you know uh, men can have babies too, men can get oh. pregnant just as easily as women can. But they're responding to someone who's saying that like who's using male female terms, and then Ellis Cashmore is no men can have babies too. Well, we didn't say men, we said males. males yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that flip. Yeah. yeah, yeah, terminology. The difference right? between it's... sex and gender. I think, I think it's important. I don't. Well, I, I don't understand why it's been so conflated. Because I mean, I have nothing. I think it's uh, on know, purpose. I, s- I think it's. Well, I, I suppose it is. But even me being, you know, from the background of social sciences and humanities, that was a thing. You distinguish between gender and sex, right? Yeah. Because you know, and, and just as you would. Um, just as you would identify, or sorry, distinguish between your identity as opposed to your um, orientation, right? These are different categories, yeah. and there's a multiplicity because they're social categories, right? Whereas, you know, something like, um, like I said, something like a heart attack um, diagnosis mm-hmm. is something that doesn't have so much fluidity. Yeah, and there's also, I think, try to, you know, try to, try to bridge those two. You know, I, I appreciate that, you know, oh, let's try to bring two fields together, but it sometimes it just doesn't work, obviously. Yeah, there's also a big issue with how the word gender is being used, especially in like social media. And I think this is actually maybe responsible for most of the confusion that you see when people start talking about gender online. And that's because there's a lot of different groups that are using this word in mutually exclusive ways that are that just aren't compatible with one another. So there's I can remember. Yeah, I think yeah. there's there's maybe about five different ways that the word gender is being used. So if you get like people on the right, like your Ben Shapiro's or whatever, they just equate gender and sex. To, in their mind, this is the same thing. You'll see Ben Shapiro just interchangeably use these things. Okay. Uh, so you have so you have that, which is this you know sex and gender. Are the Denial same. of this you know the, yeah. the distinction, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is very yeah. problematic in and of itself. But he's an right? ideologue, yeah. right? That's he's well, yeah. But still, there's yeah. Yeah, And then you have like the radical feminist side, where their definition is you know adult human female, which takes into account uh, you know the the socialization, whatever that that women go through uh, through through girlhood up until adulthood, and they also have this sort of uh, exogenous factors of society, sort of like having stereotypes about males and females that uh, that sort of whip individuals back into into their roles when they deviate from these stereotypes. And that's that's what they say when, like, gender is a social construct. Like, it's society that's basically enforcing these stereotypes on individuals who deviate. Yeah, so that's, like, well, and and that's, that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting yeah. philosophical argument. It's and, very interesting. You know, I actually, yeah, actually quite like it and think it explains quite a bit in some yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But, and then you have other people who will... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, if you look at the language where they say, well, you're... you're 
sex is assigned at birth. I mean, it's as if it was a fl- coin flip the, or the doctor felt like, ah, I feel like this kid's going to be yeah. a, a male today. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's not assigned. It's determined by, uh, by actually observe, observing uh-huh. the primary sexual characteristics of, of the infant. Like, yeah. Okay, and so may I interject? I may I interject with another. Okay, so my understanding, and I'm completely ignorant of this, but when a child was not, de- you know, determined to be one or the other, they would basically, you know, the first time the child urinated, that's what they would kind of go with, right? Um, what? So, yeah. When? Where? Where is this? I, I don't. I think, that, I think that was just sort of common practice, from what I understand. But I, I would, and, and of course, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm people. Not sure about that. People whose, you know, physicians or whatever made the wrong choices were quite upset about this, obviously, right? Um, because they had been literally assigned at birth based on which, where their pee came from, right? So if the kid was and also, out, it was a male. So I'm, now I'm wondering if, Colin, if you know how they treat that now, because it seemed to me that that was an issue, like, I don't know. Yeah. So um, I, haven't, I haven't heard about, like, the, where they, where they peed, but I have heard that there was, you know, there's been a lot of cases of what they call, like, uh, intersex, you know, a, a genital mutilation type thing where they do sex assignment surgery when they're, when they're born, they'll have, if their genitals are sort of intermediate, uh, in the past we'd have doctors that would just sort of perform the, uh, a surgery to kind of sort of bring their genitals in line what they thought they were, but sometimes they, they give them the genitals that was in conflict with their biology, basically, and so that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they do that anywhere anymore. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so it's basically... I would certainly hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, it's a big issue. So, you know, if they want to have this surgery later in their lives, they're more... Exactly, yeah. Uh, But, yeah. I think we'd recognize that essentially as child abuse now, I would hope. Yeah, yeah. 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 But this idea that, like, the doctor, by by their mere utterances, there's some kind of, like, wizard just by incantation, (laughs) they're they're creating the sex of the individual where where if... Let's say if the doctor, when I was born, if they had just proclaimed it's a girl, they're acting like that I would be somehow walking through my life just like really confused right now and <laughs> why people are interacting with me in certain ways. Like, you know, at some point, no matter what the doctor says in the room the moment I'm born, like, I'm going to understand <laughs> that they were wrong at some point. <laughs> no matter what, yeah, my, yeah. like, no one's, you know, I haven't even seen my birth certificate. Like, my mom has it just somewhere in the barn at her house somewhere. It's like, I. <laughs> It could say female on it, like, but that doesn't matter because I'm yeah, female, yeah. so it has no effect on me whatsoever. So it's yeah, it's really silly. Is, yeah, is <laughs> yeah. who you are, right? It's not just a word; yeah. it's it's the the reality. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, actually, I, I, I I'm just thinking about the irony of uh, you know the criticism that gender is assigned. Yeah, well, at birth, when you distinguish hate that. distinguish between a penis and a vagina, and yet when it's ambiguous, they literally are assigned. You know, we're assigning a gender, okay. literally. Yeah, back then. So, and I that's wrong too. Don't you know? think they do that now. If I, if it's yeah, ambiguous it physiologically, I think then they probably put that on the. Yeah. If we're going by like the the trans ideology of what gender is, where to them it's just like. Yeah. Or, well, for the trans people, it's your, it's your, your, your self identity. So your, your, mm-hmm. your gender is how you, how you feel on the inside in relation to your body. So even according to like their own definition of what gender is, when they say that they were assigned, you know, their gender at birth, like, well, the doctor is not assigning 
your brain state to you. They're not assigning it how you identify. I assume as an infant, you don't identify as anything. Yeah. Not, you don't have a conception of you yourself in any way. So, like, no, the doctor's not saying how you will identify. They're clearly identifying your biological sex. So we need to move that conversation on from identifying something at birth to, uh, you know, gender at birth to, you know, when they're, they're... Declaring a sex versus declaring yeah. a gender. They're not declaring a gender. They're declaring a biological fact. And hopefully if, if that fact is outside of the, well, yeah. it, for those cases that are, you know, uh, respect that and... Yeah. Then again, I suppose that would come with its own whole host of issues too, right? But hopefully there's enough um, intelligence out there to, you know, respect the fluidity of sex and gender. Absolutely. If yeah. that makes sense. I mean, you know? Everyone should be able to... I'm conflating the two, but you see where I'm yeah. going, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everyone should be able to express themselves any way that they yeah, they wish to. Everybody should be yeah. free to do that. Not about their sex. I mean, I've, I've even said before that this modern like denial of sex that you get by in the trans community by you know they'll point to intersex individuals as an example of like why the categories don't even exist but this is like a self-refuting it's a self-refuting argument because the whole concept of trans itself makes absolutely no sense unless there's something objectively real for to you to be trans in relation to yeah if, something if, that identifies you with a particular gender yeah so what do you mean what do you mean that you're a trans woman unless that means that you're a biological male who identifies with the stereotypes or with a different sex, you know, of, of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're saying that sex doesn't exist, then what does it even mean to be trans? Like, there's, it loses all meaning if there's nothing objective that your mind is going to then maybe vary in relation to. Yeah. Damn your reason. Well, and that must vary from culture to culture, <laughs> too, right? What was that? Sorry. That would vary from culture to culture. Uh, what would, sorry? Um, gender identity would vary from culture to culture, and it's uptake and it's acceptance and blah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. So for example, um, I think it's in Saudi Arabia. If you um, dare, you know, make the mild su- suggestion that you're gay, they will force oh, you to, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll force you to do that surgery. Yeah, and then there's yeah, these people who actually were saying, oh, look at that. They're actually yeah, gender assignment. I'm just yeah. like, no, they're oh. not. That's not what they're doing. Yeah. It's, oh. it's not motivated by compassion for trans yeah. people. It's motivated by complete homophobia. Yeah, yeah. Their, family would, their family would rather accept the fact that their son is a female living in a male body and then change that rather than my son is, is homosexual. Yeah. In those areas of the world is uh, a big offense, you know. They can... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My friend checked out on us earlier because I think he would appreciate this discussion. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Everything's mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't really. <laughs> it's it, it's if I lose friends over this, well, you know what? They weren't really friends to begin with. So. Yeah. I mean, I have lost a, I've lost a few friends since I've started being public about all of this because you know for a long time like i got when i i was an undergrad and then i decided to go the path to go to grad school and you know you get a lot of professors who are befriending you on facebook and then so there's more and more people that are seeing my views like when i was younger i was sort of like the angry atheist person i was 
I didn't care what people I was posting on social media, but then I I slowly started self-censoring because I realized that, you know, people with other views, I, I don't want to ruin socially any opportunities I might be able to get from it. And it was, it's, it's hard to even know. Well, I just looked back one day, and this was right, you know, I, I'm a postdoc now at Penn State, and I looked back and I just realized how much self-censoring I'm doing. Like, my, my Facebook is completely just locked down. I never tweet anything. I didn't tweet anything that could mild, that could be mildly critical of anything, but now I was just going through so much internal struggle with just, I was pulling my hair out over this stuff mm-hmm. because I used to be so outspoken, but I didn't want to ruin my ability to get a faculty position because they're so competitive. Isn't that and sad? And academia has a lot of, there's a lot of woke people in there at the, at the high end, and it only takes one, only takes one person on a hiring committee to just sink my entire application and so it was a big decision i had to make if you know and, and then i'd look forward even more too i'd say like okay let's if i self-censor until i get a faculty job well then i need to get tenure it's six years yeah. Yeah. Assistant yeah. Professor before i get tenure and you know so i'm gonna have to self-censor for you know six more years and even <laughs> then did not and, Brett weinstein and uh, i'm sorry exactly, I yeah. they yeah, had yeah. tenure didn't yeah. they so, yeah. you know, that doesn't necessarily protect you anymore either. Exactly. And I spoke to some, some of my colleagues. They told me that, like, well, tenure can't even help you. And so then I'm looking just at the long the long game, and I'm saying, like, well, I'm never going to be able to self-censor. Like, well. Yeah. Okay. Like, if, Might if, as well just. Yeah. And, like, I would just realize that, like, I would rather live a life where I'm not as successful but and I can speak my mind on issues that I think are really important than I would just to leave, you know, this. This zipper-lipped academic life. It takes guts with yeah, it does. your, your it does. place in the career. How many people do you represent that aren't speaking out, right? Oh, I have so many emails. Yeah. I have one that with the Colette article. Whew. And, uh, yeah, a lot. Like, uh, my, my main advisor, he told me to publish it, you know, anonymously. And then <laughs> and someone else, someone else, one of my other mentors, he's, they even said don't even publish it anonymously because, you know, we'll, we'll, someone will find out who you are. Um, but I would say actually the, the reception has been pretty good. Uh, it's, it's opened up a lot of different doors and networks for me. That's good. Uh, yeah. I don't because know. there's like there's some group here in Canada uh, pertaining to the social sciences that was trying to put together a petition, calling out people in oh. the social sciences who were public. You know, I think that was a Twitter thing. Yeah. I don't, I yeah, don't know how serious crazy. they were, but a, even well, just it's, suggesting it's, it it's, is a big thing. I mean. It's a, it's a, what do I want to say? It's not a witch hunt in the sense of violence, but it's like a verbal witch hunt somehow. You know, you don't dare not say the, you know, it's thing the that mob. you dare not say. You know, it's the modern pitchfork and and torches carrying version of yeah. you know the the mob in Transylvania. Uh, it's, yeah, it's no different. Yeah, so I'm hoping it's not going to have a huge effect. But I mean, there's that one, like I, I never. It's like you never know how many callbacks you're not getting yeah. <laughs> for a job. Yeah, you don't miss you know. That. So I, I've, I've had an interview. I, d- I didn't get it, but I did have an interview. And so, like, at least some departments don't care, or they would if they knew and they just don't know. Like, it's, I just don't know. It's a, it's a big guessing game. Maybe I could just be freaking yeah. out too much about it, or yeah, I don't how know. Dare so they we'll actually no, I think, it's, I think it's a very brave act. I, I think it's a very brave yeah, act. Like, is. Brandy, you know, yeah, to, you know. But I, mean, I did it for my own sanity. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's been a lot. It's, it's yeah. it was like a huge weight off my chest when as soon as I just like got it out there. I'm on record doing this, and now I'm, and now I tweet all the time. And now I don't care. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, they can follow you on yeah. Twitter. Your handle is uh, at Colin Wright. Uh, 
last uh, it's a uh, it's at or just at right swipe. swipe right swipe right yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right w r i g h t for the last yeah so i, I, <laughs> I, I strongly suggest that uh, i was one of the uh, people to follow um you know yayo is another one i like real at real yayo uh, he's always yeah, interesting great. And, <laughs> and as ever the uh folks at new peer uh review <laughs> yeah. uh, those guys are people i don't know if they're guys uh i don't know who they are yes but that's pretty cool too they're they're really yeah. good uh tracking down the the absurd stuff that gets published in some of these fields and in their own field they're actually uh sociologists themselves i believe oh are they so, i don't even know who they yeah. are yeah, they keep it really quiet. <laughs> well, then there's Peter Bogosian and... Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm one. sorry, I can't remember the other... Sorry? Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're fantastic. They're, yeah, I think yeah. They're, they're closest Fascinating. to... They're, they have, they're on the ball, like, big time. I yeah. think more people need to follow James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose and Peter Bogosian, but especially the first two. They're the more active ones on Twitter and... I think they are closest to understanding the whole picture than just about anybody I see on online right now. <laughs> they sure know yeah. how to write the papers, right? They know how to walk the walk, and it's exactly. Well, is not Helen a feminist scholar? I think she is, isn't I think she? she is, yeah, in I think she is. Yeah, in the yeah. classic term of what what feminism yeah. used to mean. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. In terms of you know, <laughs> like feminism is a you know, I, have, I often have to bring this up and. People get upset because they want to go with the dictionary definition of feminism, but in fact, it's That's an academic conversation. And feminists profoundly disagree with one another That's on very important issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, I think the end goal is equality for women, but just like democracy, you know, um, you know, there's Democrats, there's Republicans, there's you know, liberal and conservative, blah blah blah. Marxist. They're both interested in democracy, but it's how it's realized that they're arguing about, right? There's a common goal, but there's many, you know, um, and I, I was talking to somebody about um, there is a, you know, there's a strand of feminism that think that women should be barefoot and pregnant and home, uh, you know, in the kitchen. And, um, because <laughs> I know, but, you know, they say those women are happier, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't mind it. But, you know, still they're contributing to the argument. And then I have a, you know, a friend of mine, uh, uh, you know, had we had said essentially the same thing in different words. We should be sitting on our asses fucking the fittest and the finest because we're the, you know, right? Like, no. <laughs> biological, Whatever. we get to, you know, babysitting <laughs> each other's kid. Like, it's the same argument presented from two entirely different frameworks, right? And both purport to, you know, um, it, you know, advance the happiness of woman, I suppose. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's a nuance. It's not a simple, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of different brands, right? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to believe too that the people, you know, the the hardcore, you know, far left feminist feminism we have now, I would have never thought in a million years that it would be that group that would be essentially the biggest threat to female sports. <laughs> you know, they're yeah, it's, it's them who want to get rid of the categories, and I, I just it, nothing seems more anti-feminist to me than just this idea that we can eliminate the categories and you know let's just have one big open you know, uh, competition when we'll never see any women's sports or they'll never receive any scholarship ever again. Like, how can they possibly think this is in the interests of women, I guess? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're the same. That's the thing. They, they need 
equality to mean sameness, and that's just not right. It, it's, it doesn't work that way. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not treated equally under the law, that you're not given the same opportunities. Uh, you know, it, it, it's this fear that we'll go back to this, you know, if we're not 50-50 in everything, that we'll go back a hundred years and, and, you know, codify um, mm -hmm. female behavior again, which was, to me, that was the real problem. It wasn't, uh, uh, it, it was this codification of two separate behaviors. Women become nurses, men become doctors, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the stereotypes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, with, and ignoring population statistics because they, they overlap and it, you know, to varying degrees. There's no real difference in intelligence, and, and uh, it, there might be a difference in the variance, which means you get uh, more male geniuses, but you also get more male dunces. Uh, mm -hmm. we, got, we all know the male dunces. But, no. <laughs> real dunces. That's all the time. Twitter that's, that's, well, in popular uh, culture, like <laughs> Simpsons, right down to, what was yeah. that one? Um, I'll send you to the moon, or I, I don't know, it was before oh, my time, bang, but zoom. you were talking about and, um, Lucille Ball or whatever, that kind no, of that stuff. Was, when, uh, that was the Honeymooners. Okay, whatever. Well, yeah, but then Lucille Ball show, I, too, also had, you, you know, just make a smacking women around. I did, I did. I mean, I did study this. I'm just not current on... You heard it here, for folks, <laughs> the first time. You didn't quite get it right, but, yeah, okay. I probably read it in a textbook. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I there think we, we should so wind down now. Uh, anything else you want to ask? Um, no. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Colin? Yeah. Anything you're promoting? Oh, doing? Start a podcast. I'm not uh, this conversation, <laughs> but I've, I have nothing to promote at the moment. <laughs> I'm just I'm about to start my field season and get some research done. Basically, <laughs> you know, I wish I could tweet all day, but uh, sadly, I gotta gotta work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we covered a lot of ground here. That was fun. Yeah, it was good. Thank you. Well, yeah, well, it, was, it was great to have you. Yeah. I think we should have yeah, you on thank, again to talk about me. the usual stuff. Uh, do our pope about the what stuff? The usual stuff. The this strange things. Uh, oh. Sometimes it's this kind of thing. Sometimes it's religious uh, nonsense, etc. Oh, yeah. Especially when it pertains to Canada, but it's, uh, we're not immune. Yeah. I mean, we don't you know, have I, yeah. Trump, but we we, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I came from the. Uh, Old school, old school new atheist tradition. It's kind of weird to say old school new atheist, but uh, yeah. no, those are those are something. Those are that's a subject that I never get a chance to talk about. That you know like, what? Yeah, well, that's we'll exactly what I was going to ask you to expand upon if you have time. And Randy, if you're okay with it, oh, we could do another. Can episode. you tell us more about that? Right. Like, do you want to do it now? Sure. What do you want to? What do you want to know? <laughs> so, did you did you leave a religion, or were you raised in a non-religious household? Like, what's your story to? You yeah, know, certainly. Yeah, I was raised in a non-religious household, but in, in a household that never, we just never talked about religion. Like, we weren't, we didn't go to church, uh, but we never talked about atheism or anything like that. So it was just, yeah, it was it was just a non-religious non upbringing. Um, and it wasn't until you know, my late teens, maybe, maybe when I was 20 or so, uh, when I first read The God Delusion and I was reading, I think it was a, a Times... Uh, article that had Richard Dawkins having a conversation with uh, who was it? Francis Collins, the creationist uh, guy who's at the 
don't yeah, know if, yeah. is he still the head of the NIH, or at least he was. He was the head of the Human Genome Project. Um, but it was just like this argument about science and religion, and that's what really got me into it. And then I read, you know, read The God Delusion after I read that Time article. And then Dawkins is a, you know, an evolutionary biologist. He actually studies animal behavior, and that's that's exactly what I do. Obviously, I the same. I went down his path because uh, he was. I would say he was my, my intellectual hero early on, and then I kind of got into evolution by reading both you know Dawkins and then other people like Stephen Gould and then Daniel Dennett and then I got into the whole new atheist thing and so it just spread out from there and then I I had my angry atheist early days and then I mellowed out a little bit more and. Um, yes, that's kind of, that's where I came from, basically. Yeah, yeah. So did you always kind of take for granted that you were just an atheist? And, like, that's kind of my background. Um, it never seemed odd to me to just say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God or whatever, you know, the terminology was appropriate for the context, right? Yeah, so, I never, you know, yeah, I never believed in it. I remember, I, I would talk to friends every once in a while who were religious, and I remember they would just make these arguments I didn't have the toolkit to know why they were wrong. I just knew that, like, yeah, it's fishy. So. Like, didn't know the logical fallacies. To, uh, you know, they'd be like, to, "Well, you can't prove God doesn't exist." And at the time, it's like, oh, "Yeah, I guess I can't." Yeah. Like, wait, does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean it's fifty-fifty. It doesn't mean it's a coin flip. And so, so that I just knew that like something was up. And then, um, yeah, I, I would actually say a lot of part of me getting into evolutionary biology and like the reason I'm an evolutionary biologist today is because of Richard Dawkins and because of the philosophical implications that evolution has, um, both on, you know, debunking things like, you know, creationism and, and you know, special creation and a young earth and all that stuff. Like, that was pretty much the impetus that sparked my interest in it, um, not just relating to, relating to God, but then questions about who we are as, as, as a species and our place uh-huh. in the and, like, we're evolved and we have all these evolved, you know, ways that we behave and... You know, it's just trying to trying to take a, a a step back and try to observe human behavior in the context of you know evolution and our place in the animal kingdom. And so, yeah, it was a big that was a big reason why I got into my field in the first place, for sure. And I was really kind of um, you know against creationism, getting in getting taught in schools, uh, anti-intelligent design. I was arguing against that stuff, and then that kind yeah. of fell out of. I'm still trying uh, to finish up my dissertation on that, and I'm just like, I've run out of steam. Uh, I've seen so many changes in the academic context that I'm just like, oh my goodness, I don't want yeah. to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 Or or drop, like, yeah, I'm seriously get thinking. Out. Get it away out of the Yeah. You put or just move on with anywhere. life, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but so, sort of as the as this threat to evolution went away, you know, like intelligent design, like they're not even in the conversation anymore. Like I don't even hear them yeah. doing anything. Oh. I know that... They are. They're kind of right. Yeah, I know Stephen Myers has like a new book on intelligent design or something, but like yeah. it's not what it used to be. Yeah. But then somehow just like beneath everyone's radar, like this new anti-evolution, that's what my Quillette piece was on basically, is this new yes. left-wing evolution denialism has just like up and now they're saying that, you know, there's no evolved differences in both the bodies and the behaviors of humans, and you know, or it's or it's that evolution from neck, the, the neck down. You know, we didn't evolve. Yeah. You know, evolutionary psychology. Yes, evolutionary crap. psychology. Gad Saad is the one who you know really speaks out on that one, and I mean, it's fascinating. Um, these are pretty bloody robust arguments, and yeah. marketing research is extremely. Um, 
you know, quantitative, yeah. generally speaking, right? Yeah, so it's not, they're not pulling those things out of their ass by any means. That's a well-established uh, Marketing has, you know, by trial and error, I mean, it's very evolutionary in a way. It's very trial and error. Yeah. Figured out how to market a bit uh, yeah. based on your sex. And we've always known that sex sells, don't we? You know? Well, that's the app. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm talking that... about the, uh, uh, yeah. what, what you're assigned at birth. Uh, <laughs> There's just certain it, things about advertising that, I mean, again, this is probably specifically cultural to North Americans, but there's there's formulas essentially for doing ads yeah yeah and and, and they were it would That's be why. remarkable if we were the only social mammalian species that didn't have sex difference sex sexual dimorphic behaviors yeah yeah, yeah. especially because we are dimorphic and yeah. just our our, our no, anatomy we know no that, you know. no, no, we're not, we're not, <laughs> no totally can deny that yeah. Oh, yeah just amazes me <laughs> and I'll, I'll 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 reveal my internalized misogyny. Like, yes, I want to be treated equal in relationships, but then again, there's you know, like, okay, if I want to have an equal relationship, <laughs> no, if, if but I you know, there are certain you know relationships where I want to be treated like a goddamn goddess, right? <laughs> and you know, vice versa. There are privileged relationships in my life, obviously. You know, my mom and my dad and my daughter are, you know, I'm, I'm going to privilege them above everybody else, right? That's just how it is. So I don't well, I don't think that we're all in this. Like in terms of like um, social, I guess, equality, yes. But also, you know, the reality is that we have bonds that are, you know, based on kinship and that kind of thing, right? Is that Hamilton's rule or is that... I don't know, I'm just full of shit, but... <laughs> yeah, no, you're but describing I, I something that's well-known you know? in evolutionary science. I'm trying to remember the... Yeah. Is it Hamilton, or... Which one are you talking about? You're talking about, like, the taking care of your... Yeah, the kin... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically, that's, that's Hamilton's rule. It's, yeah, Hamilton's you know, rule. Right. Yeah, your, your relatedness is going to depend on, like, the amount of altruism you're willing to expend. Uh, yes. Yeah, if there was like a fire or something like that, and I, yeah, if, yeah. If, if there was a fire and I could get my daughter out and grab another kid or two along the way, great, but <laughs> I'm going to get my daughter out Fresh first, aren't I, cats. you know? The cats come first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I think he had that quote where it's like, he'd give his life for, for yeah. you know, a, a brother or eight cousins or something like that. <laughs> if you do the yeah. math, you can look at how many genes you share with your cousins and how many brothers that would equal, and... Yeah, that's an extreme example. But and that's not to say that we don't care about other people. It's just yeah. an, a biological fact that you know, yeah. we, you know, my mom and my dad and my daughter—they're my core. You know, so of course I'm going to have a different relationship with them that okay. isn't necessarily equal. But uh, you know, and that's that's an evolved trait that we have. I mean, exactly. that's, that's evolutionary psychology right there. Like well, yeah, and we were talking about how sex sells, but also emotion like that sells, right? Yeah. Well, PZ Myers yeah. denies evolutionary okay. psychology. I got into a PZ on Twitter the other day. He was. <laughs> oh wow! I did the good ones. Gone completely nuts. I used to be a big fan of his. And same here. Early, yeah. early in the day, actually, he. I was. I was part of the Secular Student Alliance. I had a. I was the president of the club at my community college back in, in the day, and uh, he actually came out to our 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 event. We had we we hosted him, and I had to pick him up from a train station, and we. Shared the car all the way back and had a really great conversation, and he did really great. Went out, went out to dinner. I had a whole 
a whole day and night, you know, hanging out with PZ Myers, and he was great. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I don't recognize now, him. And now, then he showed his true colors when he be, when he showed how much of an ideologue he is. Oh my goodness, he I don't even recognize. Him. I mean, he'll be on yeah, Twitter and just be like, "Are you someone? Are you possessed? Like, who is this individual?" Yeah, he's just he's completely sad. he's completely rabid. It's a couple a couple of months ago, I had a run in with him on Facebook, and he, and I I brought up Doctor Deborah So, uh, you know, in terms of uh, <laughs> brain differences in and behavior differences in in sex, and he's like, oh, she she's just somebody the conservatives trot out to to buttress their bigotry, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> and so he he links to his little blurb on her, and I I say, well, oh, okay, I go to. Uh, Deborah Souza article. There's about a dozen peer-reviewed citations. Yeah, there is mm-hmm. nothing. So which one do you yeah. think I'm going to accept? Yeah, um, I, I think my my limit Isn't was when um, uh, what's his name, Robin Williams committed suicide, and he posted oh, something yeah. like nobody is paying attention to. Oh, there was something. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't remember. It was there was another really really yeah. horrible tragedy going on at the same time. Absolutely. I'm sorry. There's always a tragedy going, on, so I can't remember the particular one. But PC yeah, was like, you know, everybody's paying. Yeah. yeah, everybody's. Oh, PC is going on like everybody's. Um, you know, upset about this white guy's death. Blah blah blah, and nobody's paying attention to that. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, holy fuck, have you not read your bloody paper today? Because it's everywhere, everywhere. I'm Canadian. It was, you know, it was right in my face the minute I woke up or whatever. Right. Yeah. I just I thought that was so mean spirited because it you know, it's not like Rob, nobody has called um, Robert uh, sorry Robin Williams uh, a sexist or anything like that. So just to just to you know mm-hmm. pick this it was a troubled a tragedy and and try to I don't know compare it to another tragedy like wow that was so mean spirited and awful. I thought yeah. it's well, like yeah. oh, I don't want to listen to you anymore. You know and, the, and this, this idea that like tragedies that happen on the same day are in some sense and like this zero sum conflict for attention is like. Yeah, we can, we can care about both of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like it's doesn't diminish one to have another one at the same time. It's like you know we can we can understand that there's two things going on that we can both be sad about. Like yeah, to understand that. <laughs> no, it's well, it's and, and, be... and how many things went unreported that day? How many murders? How many Man, beheadings? Exactly. You know, this is about the global context, right? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. The reason is have you seen PZ's, oh, sorry, he, he has a recent oh well. PZ Myers has a very recent video that he made, oh, no. supposedly debunking evolutionary psychology. Oh. And I watched the whole thing, and it was just like I had to pause every about two minutes when he just completely <laughs> went nuts. You know, he's he's a, he's a, he's a biologist, and yet he doesn't understand that when people are saying making claims. Um, so, for instance. One of the biggest claims that people have in evolutionary psychology is that there had been some evolutionary psychologists who study very sensitive subjects, like the evolution of of, of rape or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's sensitive subject for sure. But if you read the papers, it's not saying it's not like justifying it. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. just, it's more all to solve the problem. That, like all the saying is that like in the past, people who may have done that have it has a non-zero effect on reproduction that's all that's all that is being said there it's an evolutionary force and then yeah and so but pz reads that as being like well he's these evolutionary psychologists are justifying 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, an, ex- an explanation for a phenomenon is not a justification. If you want to yeah, solve a problem, you have to find the root yeah, causes. Yeah, because in, in some of these yeah. in some of these papers, they talk in evolutionary terms, and when we when we're talking about evolution, we use words like uh, benefit. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. but the, the word benefit is used in, in, in all, when, we, when we say benefit, we mean you do this, and you're more likely to have more offspring relative to individuals who didn't do this thing. Yeah, as opposed PZ to will, and PZ will highlight a paper, and he's like, you know, they'll, they'll talk about like the benefits of you know forced copulations. And he'll be like, "Here's an example of an evolutionary psychologist like supporting the I, su- supporting rape." And it's like, "Yeah, that's as crazy. a biologist, PZ, like you should know how we're using the word benefit. Like this is not the colloquial meaning of it. Like, yeah, saying, like you're not getting laid. Woohoo! It's <laughs> not. A, it's not a beneficial thing to do by any stretch. Yeah, but like, purely pure evolution, and pure like Darwinian evolutionary terminology, like." It is, but as a, I just don't understand how he can nuance. Nuance is dead. And not be able to, to see that. He's biologist. Yeah. <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. He only teaches biology. He's not a, an actual practicing well, I mean, biologist. At some point, he had to do yeah, research. Yeah, he did have to do research at <laughs> one point. But he doesn't do it. <laughs> and anymore. he must be having to keep up on journal articles and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, not necessarily. Now, he, he hasn't published anything in like, 30 years, I think. But Is, yeah, uh, is okay. that what uh, you got into it with him on? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's quite the... Yeah. I think if you go through our archives, you'll probably find an interview with um with him. Us, yeah. You will. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I think it was... Guys interviewed easy? Our previous co-host. Yeah, and, a long uh, time ago, yeah. And me and... and yeah. on, 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 this, on the same channel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's way, it way back. It, be it wouldn't all? be the YouTube. It would be one of the audio ones and on iTunes. Okay. Way back. On our website? Um, no. If you go speaker? to iTunes, you might okay. find it. I'm not sure okay. how far that is. Yeah. I used to go to his blog every day. Me too. It was fantastic. Yeah. 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 I remember triangulating poles and stuff like that. Like, that was so yeah. much fun. Was, now, that's like, a yeah. good idea. <laughs> with them. Yeah. I used yeah. to have an interaction. You know who Jerry Coyne is? Yes. yes. I love Jerry Coyne. Yeah. He's another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guest. he's on our. Yeah. yeah, we. Well, him and PZ used to have these fun back and forths, and you know, PZ had his like cephalopod Fridays or whatever, and Jerry Coyne oh, had Hatter his, Day. you know, <laughs> Day. and it was just like this rivaling, you know, cat and cephalopod memes, and it was fun. And but uh, the PZ just like disowned him because Jerry Coyne, you know, talked about evolutionary psychology mm. once or twice, and then PZ disowned him and. And just completely poisoned that well, relationship. Well, he failed the purity test. Well, he failed the purity test. Oh yeah, big time. And uh, that's he's part of that torch and pitchfork mob. That yeah. you know, you fail that purity test, you, the the greatest amount of punishment must be inflicted for the, the smallest transgression. And that's what really bugs me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, like I've I've kind of been part of the movement and going to conferences since about 2010. And there was a time where you would you know you would have seen. P.Z. Myers sitting around with Richard Dawkins, and you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, and and but now oh, I, I cannot yeah. imagine, um, you know, know who's still. Do I, you know I don't I mean? know anybody yeah. who still follows uh, P.Z. Uh, they, they just got. Yeah, I his, don't. Yeah, his idiotic. I mean, he's right. got a lot of. He's got one hundred and sixty thousand Twitter followers. Uh. Seriously, <laughs> okay. well, that I I I, <laughs> I think I might be one, and that's because I I want to yeah, see I, what he's I, up to. <laughs> right, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't I mean, want to be in an echo chamber. You know, yeah. Well, he's got a rabid band of people who'll just 
they're basically his his group of sycophants yeah, that are just oh. yeah minions. Yeah, it's about they're all they're all insane too. <laughs> He's a high. <laughs> maybe okay, I, I, I want to be guilty of the foul. They're not all maybe maybe there's some reasonable ones, but the ones I've interacted with have been completely impossible to talk to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Evidence is yeah. up the door. It's gone. There's no, <laughs> there's no room for for evidence when it comes to upholding ideology. Yeah, and that's so. I remember that that same um, when that interview took place years ago um, with our previous co-host. Um, oh, previous yeah, co-host had said that something like, "Yeah, she believes in, she believes in you know referring to me. She believes in evolutionary psychology." Well, first of all, I wasn't all that you know well hurt. Uh, that's not my field. Second of all, yeah, I do find some you know claims of it very compelling. Like I said, with Gadsad marketing, those yeah. that fusion of two fields is. Very robust, in my it's opinion. It's very, especially in in uh, marketing. It's it's very experimental. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's objective. Uh, data. It's experimental, but it's also you know, it's also got a well-established history. You know, like I said, yeah. sex cells. Um, you know, um, fear cells, right? And that can be done in positive ways. Like um, I, re I remember there was a, a PSA for um, not texting and driving, and it was super emotional. And you know, blah blah blah, people dying and families getting up. You know, like. So the emotional appeal with a appeal of fear, um, you know, that can be used in bad ways, but it can be used in really good ways too, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that, and it's you know, uh, I, I think that's well established in marketing. So to bring to bear evolutionary, you know, psychology on it is just, I wouldn't say self-confirming, but um, certainly there's, um, I guess, I guess it's I would, I would say field. that there's, yes, yes, it's that's a exactly what I would say. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh... Very, you know, it, 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 there might be an argument that at one point it was it was kind of just so stories. Sexist, not anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. sexist. Yeah, sure. And adver advertising sexist for sure, but that's why we don't have, you know, like I'm sure the advertising we're doing today, 20, 30 years from now, is going to be looked on as, oh my God, that's horrible. Just as we do, you know, two, three decades ago from now, or you know, previously. So you know, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. You just have to take yeah. the data at the time and and do the best you can, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 worth pointing out that the the premises of evolutionary of evolutionary psychology are absolutely true. That you know you can should be able to look at certain traits of our psychology that are going to be adaptive, you know, or not. So like a big criticism of evolutionary psychology is that they assume everything is an adaptation. This is in the last because couple of decades. Because it's cultural. Yeah. It's cultural exactly. as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. All about, it's all about forming, you know, you, you have a certain trait that you identify in psychology, and you don't assume it's an adaptation. You hypothesize that it is, and then you design certain types of experiments or surveys or and, or whatever, and you, you test it. And if it doesn't hold up, yep. reject it. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I, you know, there would be... I'm just okay. going with the idea that they're all adaptations, but even yeah. if they're not, even if they're like some, you know, spandrel or some like secondary trait that's hitchhiked on one, uh, that's not ad adaptive. Well, it's still interesting to test because if it's still present, then it still has effects, and we need to be able to know its effects in the real world too. So even mm -hmm. even non-adaptive, you know, traits in our brain are still. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, like some stupid jingle for our fast food restaurants, you know, um, is part of our culture that we you know we go. I don't know. There's just like it's cultural too, but it's also like what is it about that particular catchy tune that sticks yeah. in everybody's brain, right? Today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. McDonald's. 
That's very Barry what? Very metal. <laughs> Serious? He he, he he was extreme. You have got a a monster voice. I had no yeah. idea. I figured you could talk the same, but to wow! To hit that He's high a Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, but I can't. That's remember. amazing. Oh, wow. he did really well. <laughs> My voice. I'm to on your, uh, Jack channel. Klugman. Uh, my voice gets uh, doesn't take long before my voice starts to go in nowadays. It's not like the old days, way back in the last century, <laughs> literally. Oh God, that's true. Isn't it? <laughs> that's funny. Oh, okay. All right, uh, I think we could probably leave it here, and uh, we'll invite you back on later on to talk about some of these oh. other issues that we keep our eyes on. Yeah. Uh, you know, good old Pope Francis and <laughs> one of my favorites. We well, used to have a yeah. We used to have a bishop here that was very outspoken. Oh God, and yeah. He, he was a <laughs> gift that kept on giving to this podcast. He's gone now. You know, I'll be I'll be talking to Paul Vanderclay. I don't know if you know follow him on Twitter, but no, he's got a channel that he has good conversations on. He's a I think he's a preacher actually. I'll be talking to him. Interesting. Uh, Death tomorrow, so it should be interesting. Okay, cool. I think we're going to talk a lot about Jordan Peterson, but we'll see where that goes. Oh, oh, yeah. wow. There's some that things I agree with Jordan Peterson on, and there's some, a lot of things that I don't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's basically mine. We're going to we're going to probe my disagreements. I think so. We'll see. His, his theo- can you send us theology. Theology is terrible. Hmm? Sorry. Oh can yeah, you send us a, a link? Yeah, send a, yeah, pop us a link cool. at some point. Yeah. To yeah, yeah I'll, send, I'll send you his channel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Great. Uh, yeah, he's I'm good. Close. So we'll close it out here. Uh, and uh, stick around for a second, and I'll yeah, just close out here. You've been listening to the Legion of Reason Diversion coming to you from Alberta, Canada. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to our bi-weekly podcast on iTunes and other podcatchers. Even better, subscribe to our YouTube live sessions where you can join in on the discussion. Thanks for giving us a listen. Music and other sound effects under license from audioblocks.com. <laughs>